Tomorrow, May 14th, marks the birthday of Karen Pryor. And this is not any birthday she's having tomorrow. She's turning 90. She has done so much with those years. So much that has benefited the lives of so many dogs and so many people through her work. Her work as a scientist, as a writer, as uh, an animal trainer, uh, an educator, and an entrepreneur. She started the Karen Pryor Academy, which I attended in 2010, really going in knowing nothing about the world of positive reinforcement dog training. I just thought being a dog trainer sounded like a great career. Sign me up. There is no way I had any idea what a life-changing experience it would be doing that six-month program because it really shifted the way that I see the world and the way that we treat so many behavior problems in our homes, in our society, uh, in ways that don't make a lot of sense, at least when seen through the prism of what we know about behavioral science and how it's such a privilege that we can experiment with this technology using a clicker, which is so powerful and so simple with these wonderful animals who are basically our captives. And gosh, it feels good to give our little captives the best possible life we can. Anyway, Karen Pryor is, of course, the person who started the Karen Pryor Academy and Clicker Expo. She got her start working with dolphins using a pamphlet that was written about how to train animals, uh, written by students of B.F. Skinner's uh, graduate students. She had never trained dolphins before in her life, but she figured it out and saw the power of a conditioned or secondary reinforcer with the dolphins. It was usually a whistle. She made it her mission to share with dog owners how this same technology could be used with their pups. The seminars that she held to show people how to use a secondary reinforcer, in this case a clicker, to train a dog started in the early 1990s and inspired the first generation of clicker trainers. Those seminars then became Clicker Expo, which started in the early 2000s and holds fabulous conferences for animal trainers looking to improve their skills throughout the world. And I have been to several Clicker Expos. The first one I went to was in 2011. And I had the chance while I was there to meet Karen Pryor. I explained to her that I was a journalist, that I was transitioning from a career as a print journalist and uh, had just graduated Karen Pryor Academy, was possibly looking to write about Clicker Expo. And uh, she was kind enough to talk to me. We videoed the whole conversation. 
I was excited to have this footage, to transcribe it, to write about it. I uploaded the whole thing to my computer and 10 days later, I spilled seltzer on my computer. The computer stopped working, but a friend of mine said that he thought the hard drive was maybe okay. So he took the hard drive out of the computer and put it in some sort of like external hard drive. And I was sort of scared to even look to see if it successfully had gotten onto this hard drive, but it was like on my to-do list. People, this was in 2011. I have carried around this hard drive now for over a decade. There was a massive fire in my apartment in 2013. And um, when I had the chance to go back into my incredibly charred home uh, after running out with nothing but my cat and my dog and my keys in my wallet, um, I was like, where's the hard drive? Must find hard drive. And I did. Now, at this point in the story, I should tell you something that I learned about fire damage is that it can damage devices that weren't on because of the smoke. So I wasn't sure that the hard drive would even still work. Anyway, I'm telling you this whole story just to <laughs> make the point that this interview was important to me because it was a chance for me to get to sit down with someone who has been a, a real hero and I think is something of a living legend. And I haven't had, <laughs> I haven't had it in me all these years to feel, to figure out if the thing was salvaged because if it wasn't, it's like too big of a, it's too big of like a kick in the stomach. So because it's her birthday, I thought I really need to figure out if I have this and wouldn't that be a great podcast episode to share this now old recording of my uh, interview with Karen Pryor. But that's going to mean having to face whether or not this thing still exists. Last week, I finally decided I was going to do it. I unearthed this thing from the bottom of a box of dead or possibly dead technology that lives behind my sofa. I somehow managed to find a plug that turned this literally charred hard drive on, and I found a plug that seemed to fit it and to have an end that could plug into my computer, and my computer could not see the hard drive. So this is not the worst possible end to the story because it's possible that I just need to find a different plug that is perhaps a more right plug. <laughs> I am going to walk this thing over to a Best Buy and hope that a nice person in a blue shirt will solve my problems. So that was my first idea of a birthday episode. Then I thought, well, maybe I could just ask a whole bunch of people who I know uh, have been impacted in a great way by her life and work, just ask them to say happy birthday and something that they uh, would like to thank her for. And that seemed like a really great idea, but time is not infinite. And I honestly just wasn't sure if I could 
pull that off. So then I thought, well, if I could just talk to one person in the world about Karen Pryor, who would I like to speak to? And the obvious answer was B.F. Skinner, since so much of the work that she's done is showing people how we can use uh, what he was doing in the lab with dogs in such an awesome way. But B.F. Skinner is unfortunately dead. His daughters, however, are very much alive. I spoke to his younger daughter, Deborah, a few years ago for the podcast. But for this episode, I felt that the more appropriate person to speak to would be to his older daughter, Dr. Julie Vargas. She is the president of the B.F. Skinner Foundation in Cambridge, which publishes the quarterly magazine Operants. She is a former president of the Association for Behavior Analysis International, and she is the author of Behavior Analysis for Effective Teaching. She is a longtime friend of Karen Pryor's, and also, I would say, pretty uniquely positioned to talk about her influence in the world of good dog training. So I'm really happy to get to share this little conversation I had with her. Now, now I haven't totally abandoned my initial idea, which was to talk to lots of people <laughs> about how their lives and their work have been influenced by Karen Pryor. In some ways, I've already done this. The last two dog trainers I interviewed for the podcast were graduates of KPA. But in this new season of the podcast, which is being kicked off by this episode, I'm planning to lean into that. I'm looking forward to talking to people about her and sharing some of her work with you. In the period of her career, after she was working with dolphins, but before she was teaching people about clicker training, she wrote a book called Don't Shoot the Dog, which I think is one of the books that has influenced me more than any other. It's actually not a book about dog training at all, but there's so much in there that I am excited to talk about and share with you in future episodes. So I've decided that this is going to be the Karen Pryor season. It's cool for the dogs podcast. I'm thrilled to get to kick it off with Dr. Julie Vargas. I'm Julie Vargas. I'm the older daughter of Bea Skinner, who is the um, foremost behaviorologist and behavioral scientist, really, of the 20th century. Um, I spent most of my life uh, in the field of teaching. I wanted to be a teacher ever since I was in seventh grade. And, um, and so I went on and, and um, I majored in music, so I went to graduate school in music, but it was the idea I would teach it, not that I was going to play, uh, because I was never very enthusiastic about doing practicing, which is uh, something you really have to do if you want to be a professional. 
But then I met my husband in 1960, 60, 1960, and we were married in 1961, and that ended the idea that I was going to be um, uh, teaching at Spence School, where I was working as a third grade teacher. We went um, to University of Pittsburgh. I got my uh, degree there in educational research. I gave up on teaching music and went just to uh, using behavioral principles for improving education in general. As far as animal training goes, I know from having interviewed your sister um, a few years ago that uh, your father was as one uh, one may not be surprised to hear, or maybe surprised to hear, um, uh, a very gifted animal trainer. That makes me wonder, uh, particularly about your view of um, Karen Pryor and how she, um, I guess, took your father's work to to a new generation. How did how did you first um, meet Karen Pryor or become aware of her? I'm not sure. I do uh, want to say one thing, though. The, the, the thing that was so critical about what my father did was to realize that it's immediate reinforcement that's critical. It's reward is not the same thing. You can reward a dog later, but mm -hmm. what is it strengthening? Well, it may be strengthening what the what the dog was doing later, if it is in fact something that is a reinforcer and strengthens. Karen took that whole system into dog training, and she had expos. She called it expo, clicker expo. The thing that made it possible was what was called a conditioned reinforcer. And that is something that gives an immediate stimulus, technically, immediate um, sound or flash in some cases of light or anything immediate that bridges the time between the reinforce, the, pers the action itself and the the ultimate reinforcement in which in most cases with dogs or many cases in dogs is food. It also can be scratches behind the ear. It can be all kinds of other things too. Mm -hmm. But um, but it started out being food mostly. So for, for people listening who don't know Karen Pryor's origin story, from what I understand, uh, she started out um, well, I, I, she started out as, as something of a breastfeeding expert. I actually picked up one of her, <laughs> her, her early books on breastfeeding years ago when, when I was getting ready to do that. And her husband purchased a, a, a sea life park and nobody around had trained any kind of animal except Karen had had experience, uh, some experience with horses. And she uh, was given the job of teaching these dolphins to do something interesting for guests. And, and she had no idea of how to do it, but she ran into some people who had some behavioral training 
And the nice thing about starting out with dolphins is that you can't use punishment, or at least it's very difficult to use punishment. You have to look at something that can be used to reinforce the behavior you want. That started her off on it that. It started her off, her. and she was working with, um, I, I believe she was working with a guide that was written by one of uh, your father's graduate students. I, I I think Karen is really the one who's credited with taking that technology um, and bringing it to the world of dog training. Um, no question. I agree. There's no question about that. She she started setting up standards. Um, there were a lot of people that wanted to train dogs, but. You know, if you don't know the principles well, at least the uh, use of a clicker training, um, you're not going to have the kind of success you want. You may end up with a scared dog or a nervous dog or something like that. Um, the Using those small steps so that you're 90% sure that the dog is going to do what you're asking it to do. And then you maybe ask something just a tiny bit more difficult. Well, you know, of course, the steps, and I'm sure you're, the, the people listening also know that, that the, what we call shaping is taking a tiny step at a time when you're sure that it's within the ability of the dog. You don't ask for something that you haven't ever seen the dog do. And Karen was terrific at that. She had these clicker expos. I went to two of them, I think only two, one in San Diego and one in Connecticut. And they were wonderful. She had sessions. She would get up on a stage with and a dog. This was, was early, this is as early as sort of the, the 90s, right? The early 90s? Yeah. She would get on stage with a dog she'd never seen before from one of the people that were in the in the audience and everybody at these clicker expos you brought your dog mm -hmm. she had to find hotels that would house all of these different dogs and you know arrange for places for the dogs to uh you know to eliminate and all that kind of stuff she really had a lot of of work to get these going and um so um, she would get on the stage, and they and and somebody would say say something for her to shape. She'd do it right there. No hesitation. Uh, I remember myself uh, teaching things as a demonstration, you know, just friends or something. And I always, I always thought, mm, I hope it works, which is so silly because it always <laughs> works. But she had absolutely no fear, uh, you know, whatever the dog was. Your your father was doing this work in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s in his lab. This is the 90s then that you're talking about where Karen Plyer started to get started with Clicker Expo, although I think Clicker Expo is still going on. Here we are now in the 2020s, and there is a lot of disagreement 
out there about whether or not behavioral uh, technologies rooted in behavioral science, let's call it, work on dogs, should be used on dogs, whether um, rather reward should be used on dogs, whether dog behavior is about anything more than um, the person's inadequacies, the, the, the owner's inadequacies. Um, <laughs> it, it, this world, I think, is probably louder because of social media than it was um, 30, 40 years ago. But I'm wondering if your your father, if, if you know if he had any feelings about the weird world of dog training. Uh, you know, here he was doing experiments in the lab when people had animals they could be experimenting with in their homes. And the experiments that they were doing were not rooted in these in these um, principles. He always believed that the true test of any science was the practical applications that could be derived from it. And he would see, and did see actually, the work that Karen Pryor was doing as a verification of the principles that he had researched. There is one interesting thing that not everybody knows, and that is that he started out working with animals with apparatus. And then during the war years, which is in the 40s. What do you mean by apparatus? Equipment that delivered, delivered the food. It was operated automatically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every three presses of a letter or pecks on a key would get um, food. Mm -hmm. Well, he really didn't have a good idea about shaping until one time he was doing some work for the government to try to uh, teach pigeons to guide missiles. And the government was being lax about getting back, so they had nothing to do. And he, and he took a, a, a ping pong ball or a golf ball or something that size and said, well, let's see if we can teach the bird to knock it around. But there was no equipment set up to teach a bird to knock it around. So he said, well, let's wire it so we can do it with a, with a hand. And that's the first time that he actually shaped behavior by hand. And huh. that started the whole, the whole application in, in, um, in, in, with animals. That's where uh, Breel and Bailey started their work. It was after they were, they were graduate students working on that project. Right, the project they this, right? They saw this and they thought, wow. Wow. So he was he was recruited to work on on creating guided missiles, pigeon guided missiles, by General Mills before he had realized how to shape behavior. Yes, he huh. was shaping it by by, by dumb luck of the fixed rate of apparatus, changing the equipment a little bit, and then changing it a little bit more, and and I just. He really didn't know about clicker training until at that time. And then, as I said, the Breelands went, went running off with so, it. That's so interesting. And, 
It's also interesting because, of course, secondary reinforcers are incredibly important in human life for much of the same reasons, right? Like, right. you don't you don't give your employee the gro- the groceries and the gas for their car. You give them a dollar. It's much faster, more convenient. I put right. I like I deposit money directly into the <laughs> accounts of my employees, um, and and look at what a powerful thing that that has proven to be with animals. And yeah, so. So, so do you think he he was aware of Karen Pryor's work? Oh, yes, of course he was. He She came and visited him at Harvard. She They had such a great talk that he asked her whether she had a job for my younger sister. Oh, right, right. I, I remember that. She went to Sea Life Park and spent the whole summer training dolphins. And he went and visited and she and Karen put on a special show where my sister Deborah did the shaping and the and the show. So wow. of course he knew, knew Karen. <laughs> okay, well I don't know if she will be listening to this, but <laughs> if she is listening, would you like to wish her a happy birthday directly yourself? I certainly would. I wish her the very happiest birthday. All right. You know, for years we had uh, tea together every few weeks. And just when she moved farther away, we just stopped. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry about that. I think maybe we should have Zoom tea or something. In any case, she came over one year when our Concord grapes Mm -hmm. were producing incredible numbers of grapes. And we spent a whole afternoon picking Concord grapes and she made grape jelly and we were eating as many as we picked, I think. Mm. And uh, so I know that she she's a fan of, of picking Concord grapes. In, in my head, I'm going to picture you both like uh, Ethel and Lucy and, and I love Lucy stomping through the Concord grapes barefoot. <laughs> it would be fine. You can't tell me that's not what happened. <laughs> Professor Vargas is the president of the B.F. Skinner Foundation, which publishes Operance, a wonderful digital quarterly magazine that you can sign up for for free at bfskinner.org. And if you're on Instagram, make sure to go over to At School for the Dogs, where this weekend we are doing a giveaway where one lucky follower We'll be getting Karen Pryor's book, Reaching the Animal Mind, and a clicker with her signature on it, put out by the Karen Pryor Academy. And you can follow me on Instagram at Annie.Grossman. Thanks a lot for listening.